Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, Ephesians 5, 19. Welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio. Coming at you from the great state of Texas, proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully. I am your host, Julio Mad Rodriguez. Uh, you call me July, and across from me, I don't have A.W. Varilla, but I got one of my best friends. He's a, uh, a worship leader at Grace Bible Church uh, here in Laredo, Texas, in our community. And uh, wel- Welcome, and thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, glad to be here, man. All right, if you're a new listener, please subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play, and right now we are currently in the development of an app just for our guests and listeners. And uh, And please go check out our past podcasts. Uh, recently we finished up our series on the doctrines of grace. Uh, it was a six-part series, and we had um, scholars uh, and, and, and professors come on the program, such as John Frame, Dr. James White, uh, John Sampson, Jeff Durbin, and Joel Beakey. Um, last week, or the I'm sorry, not last week, but the week uh, prior to that, we had uh, Rosaria Butterfield come and talk about her book, uh, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. We had Harry Reader, and then last week as well, we had um, a really good um, podcast on pornography and the addiction. So please go check that out. Don't stop listening to this one, uh, but go, go check those out after, and we have much, much more. Um, if you want to support our ministry, you can visit us by going to www.bridgebookstexas.org. Click on our About Slash Giving tab. And uh, this is how you could uh, support this uh, great Christian Reformed bookstore and coffee shop. So, um, anyway, you excited, Isa, for the guests yeah, that we I have am. on? I am. I'm totally excited. Yeah, me too. So, um, in 2010, at Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Washington, a worship leader gathered a team of his musicians to create a Christian band. Their sound is a conglomeration of music genres, including orchestra, indie pop, math rock, and hip-hop. The band recorded uh, their first EP, Sin, in 2011. In 2014, their EP, Live in Color, was released. Finally, in, two, in November of 2014, they released their debut LP, Becoming uh, Who We Are. And since then, they have released two more. Uh, they've been tremendous and a big influence on us, since Isai and me are, are musicians. Uh, but their last two were beyond control and the recent one is the beauty between which we'll talk about today and uh, it's just an absolute honor and privilege to uh, have on the lead singer and songwriter of king's kaleidoscope chad gardner welcome to bridge radio man thank you for coming on hey guys thanks for having me so how's your day been going today dude all i've done is made breakfast and uh vacuum 
my basement studio. That's about it. <laughs> That's about it. Sounds like a busy yeah. day. Hey, so so we've seen me and Isai have gone up to Austin twice to see you. So we we've spoken oh, really? to you before. You just probably don't know who we are. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah, and I know just one thing to be completely honest, like uh I mean, we've me and Isai have we've agreed on this before, but we've we've seen like John Mayer. I've seen John Mayer live twice. Um, I've seen Kings of Leon twice, and and we all seen Young of the Giant. Those are from our favorite bands, but I know by far our favorite was going to go see you guys oh, yeah, um, in sure. Austin. Ooh. So that's, we're putting wow. you up there, man. We're putting you yeah. up there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's, man, that's the best thing I'll hear all week. That's. Um, so yeah, our first question we wanted to ask, and so this is kind of a little fun question to get into it, but if you could replace your entire band with your favorite pastor and or theologians, who would they be and what instruments would they play? Dude, that is such a nerdy question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I would write uh, that one up, man. You guys, here's the thing. I I am not a theological nerd, or I I I have no idea, honestly. Okay. Like, they would probably just be my friends that I'm actually close to that are my pastors. Okay. I don't really like nerd out like that on that stuff. <laughs> people surprise people because right. I have like this reformed background. Right. So I honestly though I, I'm I'm serious. They would just be my friends that are my pastors. It'd probably be okay. like a uh, pastor of my church right now. And uh, I have a friend, a really close friend named Alex Early. He wrote a book. He's written two books. Okay. Uh, and he's his doctor. He's he's like my nerd friend. Uh huh. He'd be in the band. I, I mean, I'm sorry to bail on the question, but I honestly would like. I have no idea. So so what <laughs> what what my head. what what instruments would they play though? Well. <laughs> If I had to do this, yeah, what do you think they'd, they'd be good? They all at? probably would suck. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, guys who just read books for a living—they're probably so bad at, at music that they'd probably all we'd probably be like an electronic band, and they would all just play like samplers or something like that. Push buttons, stuff. yeah. And I would do all the I would do all the music music ahead of time, and they would just cue samples. That's probably what ended up happening. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's such a nerdy question. One uh, second. John Piper would be the lead singer, though. I wouldn't actually sing, and he would, he would just be shirtless, and he'd be like, he'd be wild. He'd be, yeah. a, he'd be a wild, wild front man. He'd be like a, he'd be like a screamo, something like that. <laughs> he'd be a screamo singer. All right then. So Chad, I uh, just wanted to start off too. Is can you share your testimony about how how God drew you to saving faith? Yeah, um, I just grew up in the church. That's really it. I, uh, my parents are faithful believers, and um, I can't remember not talking about God in my household. Not having my uh, my parents not you know pray with me for things mm-hmm. that were difficult for me from young age. Uh, the thing that uh, I you know was sort of the tangible time in my life where I started to really. Um, feel like I came to know God personally was mm-hmm. when I was probably, I mean, four or five years old and I've, I've always had anxiety disorder and, um, I had a lot of asthma as a little kid. So okay. I would have panic attacks and then I wouldn't be able to breathe hmm. and I, you know, I just feel like I was going to die. And so my mom spent a lot of time praying with me, reading mm-hmm. the scripture, um, sometimes, you know, while taking me to the hospital 
stuff like that. And um, I, I really did feel like that's kind of how I learned who Jesus was and came to know him was through kind of just having to go through that as, you know, a really, really young kid. I think my parents tell me they remember my first like panic attack. I was two or three years old. So that was just this thing where as a young kid, even though I grew up, you know, in a, in a great household with, um, great parents, uh, there was always this fear that I was going to die. I didn't know mm. where it was coming from or why that was happening to me. And it, right. and it was a physical, a physical thing. Like you stop breathing. Right. And that was really where I kind of needed to at a really young age, find, you know, find out who God was and, and like think about death in a, in a very real way. Well, yeah, I was, I was, I was raised in the church and raised in the faith and, um, that's just literally it. I mean, by the time right. I was 16 or let's see. Yeah. In, in eight, when I was 18, I ended up interning for that church that I, that I kind of mm-hmm. grew up attending mm-hmm. um, because I was really, really interested in becoming a, a worship pastor someday. And so I, I led worship for two years there and then moved on to Mars Hill church and kind of started King's Kaleidoscope down the line. There. So yeah, sorry. That's awesome. That noise there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the usual story with that is uh, kids usually start showing a disinterest uh, because it's more of a tradition after a while. But you grew up with a sort of a more personal relationship uh, with God in that sense. Is uh, yeah, you were leaning on Him and, and definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I this is something that me, me and you share. We'll probably talk about it uh, further down the line in the podcast. But is dealing with anxiety. Um, I know the first time I ever listened to the song Prayer, and once I knew sort of the what was behind the meaning of that, uh, the song to me meant a lot more, because growing up as, as a child, I struggled tremendously with anxiety. I had, like, mm-hmm. separation anxiety from my mom. I thought mm-hmm. people were going to die, um, and it's just, it was, I mean, there were it was already to the point where I was, like, what, six, seven years old, and they were going to put me on Xanax? Um, you know, by the grace yeah, of God, wow. I never, I never went there. It was terrible. Um, so I relate. And then just going back to what Isai was saying was like, there's this dependency, especially me as well, growing up in a Christian household, um, there was always that dependency on God and, and, you know, seeking after him and, or having my parents guide me towards that direction. Um, yep. so yeah. And, and, and at what, what age did, um, did you start to, you know, have interest in music? Is it something that you grew up with or it was just at a specific age? Yeah, I mean, that was also just kind of from being young. Like, I was in the, you know, like, my church had a kids' choir that I joined. I actually got kicked out of it, which I didn't remember until, like, a week ago. My mom told me that they kicked me out because I was too, like, rowdy and rambunctious. (laughs) But um, my parents did a lot of music at church, and I would just kind of hang out with them, um, sometimes on stage or whatever, Uh like, trying to play a little pretend guitar with my dad. And... My whole family is really musical. Like my mom sang in jazz choir in college and mm-hmm. um, everybody played instruments. My uncle has a chamber choir in Seattle that's very accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just kind of in my family. So I kind of grew up all around it. And I, my first, my first instrument was actually was drums. Okay. Uh, well, no, that's not true. Everybody in my family had to take five years of piano lessons. So I did that and hated it the whole time. <laughs> and as soon as I was in fifth grade, it was like, finally, I got to pick my own instrument. I played drums in, you know, uh, like, you know, middle school band and whatnot. And yeah. drum kit. And, um, 
I really, really, really started to kind of fall in love with making and writing music in like sixth and seventh grade when okay. I started to DJ. All right. So I started, um, you know, I was just really into hip hop all growing up. And um, I just started collecting vinyl records and sampling and making beats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, it really wasn't until like high school that I learned how to play guitar and Okay. Really started to sing and stuff like that. Really, it was like drummer, beat maker for a couple of years there. But that's kind of how I started really making music and learning about music. Right, right, right. And and so, what was the moment whenever you said like, "Hey, I want to pull this band together and make this you know ginormous band with like fifteen people, and it's going to be called King's, King's Kaleidoscope"? What what was like the, yeah. the influence behind um, that? Well, a lot of the influence behind that is from the way I grew up making music sampling so like a, a record collection that i would have and i would be sampling i could sample anything i wanted to acquire string section horns anything you know right and so uh even when i before king's kaleidoscope when i was working at a different church uh -huh. i was i was compiling like a lot of people to play a lot of different types of instruments and mm -hmm. i was arranging um when i when i was 15 16 17 18 years old i was I was like still doing like kind of what Kings did at first. Like I was arranging hymns with tons of different instruments. And then I got to Marshall church in Seattle when I was 21. So like mm -hmm. 20, uh, yeah, like 20, right before I turned 21 and ended up working there for four years. Mm -hmm. But during that time, uh, a couple of years into it, we had to actually like give the, the new group of folks at that church that I had been kind of wrangling a name because we had to put out the, the sin record Okay. or the church had to put it out. So we were kind of like, okay, we actually need a name. And, um, King's Kaleidoscope was the most reasonable name that we had come up with, mm -hmm. or we didn't even come up with it. A friend of ours came up with it. Okay. And it was the only one that like, wasn't absolutely ridiculous. So <laughs> do, you, do you remember any King's of those other names? Born. Do you remember any of the other names? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The buddy system. What? Nah. Uh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> a, hit, a hit for Bobby. Uh, freaking Vortex. Like, there's just tons of all funny. These all like, sound like punk guns. bands. Yeah, totally. Riot Salsa. Shekinah Ruckus. Like, we're just, Shekinah we're just, like, Ruckus. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just, like, it wasn't, a, you know, a serious thing. We're That's just funny. like, well, whatever. Yeah. And so then through that church, <laughs> you know, we put out. <laughs> Sin and ASAP Zeros are like some hymns we played all the time at right. church and a Christmas one. Um, but that's kind of how the band was formed is mm. like the, the church. We just wanted to release the music that we were playing on Sundays for the church to have during the week. Uh -huh. And um, it ended up just kind of getting out to a lot more people than that. And then, okay. yeah. And then when I left, uh, you know, we had this big dilemma of like, okay, I'm going to go make an actual record, mm -hmm. uh, which is our first record becoming who we are. Mm -hmm. Do I keep the name King's Kaleidoscope or do we let it kind of die out with the church and, and pick a new name? Mm -hmm. And we, we ended up keeping the name, which is funny. My manager's down here with me right now. We're just talking about like, it, we have this constant dilemma that it's, it's a blessing and a curse because the those EPs initially were for such a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. um, they were just so so obviously like for just corporate singing. And now that we don't have really any of that, you know, we're just a band now. Right. And so it's it's hard. Like they they kind of feel they feel to us like two different things. Um, 
but they have a lot of they have a lot of similarities so we're kind of you know there's this we're always looking back going oh should we have should we have like started a new band or, or like a new name or something because mm-hmm. these new records they just they feel like who we actually are and most of our new fans they, they don't really know what's going on with the, that stuff from when i was working at the church but then the people that knew us from that time right the story makes great sense to them yeah but it's just harder for new fans to understand like you hear sticks and stones and then you hear like in christ alone and it's like what this is like a completely different thing correct yeah, yeah yeah um i can see so, that yep yeah and so and so now you know this this is a question that's definitely related to this but like would you see king's kaleidoscope now as a like i guess as a ministry or you know like what's the mission of king's kaleidoscope is what is i guess as i as i would phrase it sure um man it's a big question i mean to be honest with you, King's Kaleidoscope is sort of an extension of, of me getting through life by just making music. Uh-huh. And that sounds kind of weird, but when I was growing up dealing with just all of my anxiety and emotions and all that stuff, I would just retreat to my room and make beats and kind of pour my guts into them. And that's how I got through life in a sense. Mm-hmm. And it actually still feels like that's the powerful thing that Kings does. And that that's what then God kind of takes and blesses the church with, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not necessarily like I look at making record and go, all right, what does, what do we need to, um, what do we need to communicate? What is like the church need to hear? What, who, like, right. I don't think of the audience in that way. I think of like, I think of very personally, like what, you know, what do I need to say? Like, what, right. what do I need to make right now to get me through whatever I'm going through or to, to reflect what I'm feeling? Like it's very, it very much is like, it's just art. And, um, but I think because it's so centered around my faith and music has always been the way that I kind of grapple with, mm-hmm. with God. Um, it, that extends to so many other people in the body of Christ. Like, you know, people, it just feels like it's, it's, a. Uh, it's not necessarily a mission mission behind it, but that's what it does. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. uh, King's kaleidoscope gives emotion to, I think a lot of people's faith. They don't know how to have the emotion for, they don't mm-hmm. know how to express it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason that it, it feels so, uh, just real and tangible is because I'm really kind of doing it in a sense for myself and then you know we publish it <laughs> we right. blast it out to the world uh-huh. yeah yeah and i mean kind of going off of that too so why do you think it's a sent or why would you say maybe it's essential for a christian to encounter god in worship through music and through lyrics and maybe kind of through poetry as mm-hmm. as you put it well i mean it's it's funny we my, my son just turned three yesterday and we were at his party and there's like all these, uh, you know, all the, all the kind of, all of our Seattle musician friends are there and everything, all uh-huh. his families. And, um, Brian Eichelberger, my good friend who has this band called the sing team. And he was also at Mars Hill and he mixes uh-huh. everything for us. And he was freaking out. Just, he's just saying, you know, <laughs> we're catching up and he's like, man, music has just been blowing my mind recently. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, just, it's just crazy that it's science and it's empathy. Yeah. And it's, it's literally just like, 
sound waves that come out of nowhere and <laughs> yeah. they create motion and it's um so it's literally like a uh it's just a freaking glorious mystery yeah uh, as I much as it. nature where you kind of go it's not that like why is this essential it's just kind of like how does this even exist <laughs> yeah like what what even uh-huh. is music and what a just what an incredible thing that yeah exists that we can kind of like have and feel and mm-hmm. you know be a part of and yeah. um that's kind of the way i look at it is just it's just this like phenomenal like natural phenomenon that god created that moves us and um yeah and so it just makes sense that that you know that's something that we do in church because people do people do it everywhere like it's, right. it's all over the world yeah right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I was talking to Isai exactly about what you just mentioned right now, um, you yeah. and your friend. I, I teach music here at, at Bridge, and so I, I, I've been teaching guitar lessons since I was I was 16. And I think, I mean, it's just true. It's the more you get into music and you start to study it, more the science, yeah. the music theory. I mean, it's just crazy how you have in one key, there's only seven notes and then a chord minor majors are made up of just three notes out of that seven. Uh-huh. And there's just these laws that are within um, these, you know, this metaphysical, you can't touch it. They're literally just sound waves and they, they bring us joy. They bring us sadness. They bring about right. so much emotion. And, uh, and it's just and, and it's just weird within that system. I mean, you know about the circle of fifths, music theory, yeah. and all that stuff. And it's just weird. Like if you go with you know outside of those seven seven notes, you all of a sudden have cacophony, and it sounds bad. You know, like why is that? Right. Why why you know you ask all these, you go on and on and on, and ask all these philosophical questions. But I completely agree. It's just music's trippy, man. It's uh, it's it's very interesting. Yep. Uh, it's uh, it's wild. I was just gonna interject a little bit. Yeah, go. Then we got a guy in my band who also teaches music and math Mm. and he makes atonal music. Okay. And so he, he makes music that, that does exist outside of the circle of fifths for fun. Right. To like push the boundaries of stuff and go like, well, if you grew up in India, you wouldn't think this sounds sad, but check this out. Like it's not, it's not a Western scale. Right. It just, it just further like, it's kind of like it just, you know, it just opens up a whole other mm-hmm. universe of like, well, this makes me feel weird. And he's like, well, yeah, because you've been raised in 300 years of that feeling weird, but check it out. Like this wouldn't wow. feel weird. If, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, that, just, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it just makes the mystery even deeper kind of. Yeah, like we really don't even know the boundaries or, or even right, if there is right. to music. Yeah, that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you look at, I mean, it's just, it's weird. Like you have like a just these seven notes or like even if you're saying not even seven you have the 12 and you just kind of use it like a paintbrush like colors to make this this picture and we don't know you know and maybe there's colors we haven't even seen i don't even know what that means but you know are there there notes we haven't even heard frequencies we haven't even heard we're getting all trippy on this podcast i like it yeah um so the the latest album uh beauty between um, mm-hmm. it definitely takes on a, a new sound than than your your prior albums as as we've talked about. But but what made you to like what was the desire to go into the genre of of hip hop and and also to what's the meaning behind the title uh, Beauty Between? Yeah. Um. Well, really, it just came out of me producing for a uh, hip hop artist um, for a while and. 
um, I was I was just I was trying to make stuff. Andy and Minnie and I, Minio, sorry, and I were working a lot together um, with our also our new drummer Daniel Steele and working on music for him, which was really refreshing to me because mm-hmm. it took me right back to being 13 and 14, and it felt super super fun. But we had all these ideas that weren't going to work for Andy, and I didn't want to like necessarily leave them on the shelf, okay. so I just bandified them. So like a live and safe retreat and playing with fire. Those might've been the only three. Uh, yeah. Those are the only three initially that were kind of started for Andy and they weren't going to work for him. So I had this, you know, I've been in this hyper collaborative zone where I was meeting the guys from reach records and humble beast and kind mm-hmm. of coming in as the, you know, the, the the indie music guy from Seattle or the guy that could get weird sounds or sample <laughs> weird things. And, yeah. and um and so it was just hyper collaborative and I just we just had the idea of we should do a uh, a mixtape with all this stuff. Like we mm-hmm. should actually release all this stuff. Um we'd always there'd always been a big hip hop influence in a lot of our rhythm and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. and so we'd always hear, you know, you guys should you guys should have somebody rap on a song or something like that. And that always just felt really like, I don't know. That's like, that's like some Nashville for King and country type, like just really predictable this thing that we would do. Uh-huh. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, we, we were like, what if we just make an entire rap album? That would be out of nowhere. That would be really fun. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. So we went for it. We, you know, initially I was going to have a rapper on, on like every song. Mm-hmm. And I literally started getting people's numbers and texting them. Like I'd never met Derek Minor when I was hitting him <laughs> up. Um, I was just, you know, we were hitting up everybody. Lecrae, like who wants to be on this, this King's Classical mixtape? Mm-hmm. And so it was just very collaborative. And then... Uh, same thing with kind of the whole art world created behind it. I just reached out to somebody from my friend now Tobias. Um, I loved what he was doing on Instagram. He had liked something and I just found his Instagram and was blown away. And so we ended up collaborating, you know, while I was making the mixtape going back Mm -hmm. and forth, kind of creating this visual universe. And, um, so even the title, the beauty between kind of, it just it, it, it encapsulate the whole thing where we were working with a bunch of different people that came from different uh, places in the world, different cultural backgrounds, mm-hmm. different races. Uh, they had different theologies. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of beauty in the middle of all of our perspectives. Mm-hmm. And wherever that Venn diagram crossed over there was this commonality that was really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of, yeah, the whole project really was all about collaboration and kind of reaching outside of what was like, you know, the zones we had been working in before. And it was really fun. Um, so it did kind of, it did turn out what much mm-hmm. more like an album album. I think people think about like a full length album, but it's, I mean, it's only 30 minutes. But I guess that, I mean, that could be an album now that Kanye did all those seven song <laughs> albums. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I was, I was, well, I, 
when I first heard that the album was coming out, I didn't know it was going to be a hip hop album. So I started playing it, and I was like, "Whoa, this is completely different." I had, you know, it it, yeah. it took it took a little bit of adjusting for me. I will I will be honest, but eventually I ended up liking it a lot. So yeah, yeah, we're we're stoked about it. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, yeah, you guys just make good music. Period. I like you guys are not afraid to go out outside of the boundaries of you know. <laughs> you guys, you I'll push it. So so alive is by far one of my. You know, personal favorite songs off of the album. What what was the inspiration behind it? I know verse three is you know by far out of all the lyrics uh, from the King's Kaleidos- King's Kaleidoscope songs. Um, verse three of Alive is mm. by far like my favorite. I I just love that entire verse. Um, but what was yeah. what was the inspiration behind it? Um, honestly, most of our songs are music first cadences melodies and the lyrics get plugged in last based okay. on the feeling and uh, i i also don't know like i'll sing gibberish because it feels right uh <laughs> onto a song and i don't know what the what it's going to mean until like right when the song's done or when i'm digging through lyrics to to plug in and that was one where um the whole feeling was this uh this is going to be, you know, we got to really be careful because this could be borderline cheesy really fast. Uh-huh. But this whole this whole thing is just like kind of like a fight song. Uh-huh. It's like a... Feels like, like one. A, yeah, it's like, come at me, bro. Uh-huh. Like, it's, it's really kind of cocky, mm-hmm. but in like a really solid, feet-planted, confident way. Like, mm-hmm. he's not afraid of anything. Yeah. And um, kind of just staring down evil and Satan and just you know kind of saying like there's nothing you have nothing basically right and so um yeah zach bolin who has a band called citizens uh uh citizens and saints they're we're really really close buddies and he does a ton of uh, lyric writing with me so mm-hmm. i do all this music i get everything ready i start kicking around ideas and then we just start these infinite uh i message threads of <laughs> trying, trying <laughs> yeah. to piece together lyrics and concepts and he comes over to my house we spend hours just digging into him and this was probably a lot was probably the one where i had a gibberish cadence <laughs> on the chorus okay that i loved the feel of i'm talking like the way the consonants were i don't remember what it was but i was like <laughs> We have to make whatever lyrics we get. They have to sound like this, and they have to sit like this. We can't change the way my mouth moves when I sing. This. We have to find the words that feel this way because it's the right thing. Yeah. And we came. We got. We we found lyrics after like a week that fit in the thing that fit it perfectly. Yeah. Um. And once we had that chorus, then we fleshed out those verses. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. I was gonna read some of the some of the lyrics here, but it uh, it yeah. reads like for our listeners. Uh, it says, "Don't don't you get that I'm defended? I will never die. It's a battle that you can't win. This love it keeps me alive, and I will never have to die your death. My final breath, the birth of life. I will rise up resurrected. My past and future in Christ." And then he goes on, "You will never feel my freedom, the embrace of light. Know the power of a new life where fear and faith collide." And they're just so inspir- inspirational lyrics, man, and, and I love it. I, I listen it. I listen to the song definitely on on days that I'm having that are, that are bad. Um, I know the yeah. first time I actually sat down and went through some of the lyrics, I thought of the Apostle Paul, um, mm. and just his courage and being able to proclaim the gospel. And there was that 
And this this verse just fits that because he he definitely was fearless. He was faithful. I mean, he was fearless yeah. and faithful, and he would go even to the point of death. Why? Because he knew that he was alive in it. Um, he totally. could sas- he could sacrifice his life at the stake of the gospel, knowing that you know the gospel is going to continue. And he was the person who said, um, you know, I saw my life as worthless. Um, all yeah. things into in, uh, unto knowing Christ was more va- of value. And, uh, and it was all for the sake of the gospel. And I, I've always said, you know, there's only one faith that could talk like that, and that's the Christian faith, um, mm-hmm. to, see, to see your life like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Wild, man. For, for the song Six, Sticks and Stones, um, mm-hmm. what, the, what was the meaning and, and, and the purpose behind that one? I mean, that's my song for Mark Driscoll. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's pretty, you can just read, I mean, right. and we can go look at those lyrics, and it spells it out pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my, uh, yeah, that's my Mars Hill song of like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean really like, you know, you know, it's, I don't know. There's a, there's so many different things to say about that whole situation, but, right. um, at the end of the day, like God blew it up because, uh, the church, the, you know, the leadership of that church could not handle mm-hmm. the, the kind of the resurgence and the 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 almost movement that god was doing and wanted to continue doing mm-hmm. i believe and so he shut it down it was like this is not going to work so um yeah it's funny on that record i have i didn't re- see this is what i'm talking about i didn't realize it till later so i have that song which is kind of about you know another man's pride and then mm. I have another song on the records, uh, Sometimes Phoenix, which is about my pride. And so now we started playing them, you know, back to back at shows. And at one show, I just realized, like, and I said it, and I didn't really think about it until after. I was like, oh, this song is about Netherman's pride. This song is about my pride. And I was like, see, it's crazy. I'm putting both of them right next to each other on a record. Yeah. And I never would have thought that, you know, one was me building my own kingdom and one was about somebody else trying to build uh, their kingdom. Yeah. Kind of wild. Right. Yeah. And you did mention that in, in the song, and was it the song Phoenix? I, I, I can't quote it verbatim. I'm probably going to butcher it, but you said, yeah, um, you said, uh, some, uh, you know, when will I stop measuring my weight in gold? Because when yeah, I'm an old right, man, right. my uh, I'll be in my castle cold. In my castle cold, yeah. Yeah, and so what? I guess just going into that, I guess some of the struggles of your pride of it. Well, like what? What is that lyric about? What is you know sometimes Phoenix? What, what's the whole meaning behind that song? Um. Well, let's see. I mean, once again, it's it's kind of you can read the lyrics, get the get the picture of it, but mm-hmm. um, I had a friend tell me when i was like 25 or through somebody else they were like oh man chad you know he used to be like this wild phoenix and now he's just like this this kind of normal uh he's just cooled off now he's like too tame now mm-hmm. and that was like super hard for me to hear because they're basically saying you know well chad's chad's as an artist now is just kind of like normal right 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 he's normal. And, you know and so there's there's a lot there wrapped up in, in, you know, um, I feel like a lot of my identity is always being, uh, challenged to come from what I produce and what I create. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's always like an internal struggle for me. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, that whole song is basically just talking about this chasing after building something for yourself that ends up kind of leaving you all by yourself mm. and alone. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's really it, you know. 
I mean, it, it, it really is like about building your own kingdom for yourself out of uh, greed or desperation and then just being left left all alone. Um, okay. And, you know, the image of a phoenix is kind of this like uh, super rare kind of like incredible like – you know, thing that you can see like, wow, mm-hmm. look at that. Yeah. And so, and it was kind of like this, the feeling for me is that like, I can do that. I can make people look at what I make and go like, Oh my gosh, look at that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And then the next minute I'm like tapped out because mm-hmm. of my anxiety or because I, uh, you know, I just can't keep up that facade necessarily. Okay. All right. And so that's the, that's where the sometimes comes in. It's like really inconsistent. I say like inconsistent wonder. Um, I'm afraid mm. to let them down. Mm. You know, or uh, yeah, stuff like that. Mm. So yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned anxiety, and so with that said, I, I definitely want to talk about the song "A Prayer" because that's when we talked. Uh, you know, up in Austin, I remember I, I when I spoke to you, I I have a lot of great appreciation for that song and, and the reason behind it i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast but yeah. you know could, but i for, you know for our listeners I, I really wanted for you to give like the reason and the meaning behind that song to bring clarity and maybe this is something just as me and you who struggle with anxiety you know could yeah. bring kind of clarity to the situation because you know a lot of people <laughs> they'll be like what there's a, a an explicit word on there he you know he throws out an f-bomb right. and um you know, I, 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 you know, I personally don't know if I would have thrown the F bomb in the song, uh, you know, or not. But I, I, I just want to kind of bring understanding, if possible, just to yep. that this struggle of anxiety. I mean, it goes deep, man. So if you could just, you know, expound on that. Yeah, um, you know, so when when I was twenty five years old, mm-hmm. I left. Well, maybe twenty four. Yeah, I don't know. Twenty five years old. My wife and I both left. Super unhealthy church environment that was really manipulative where we left our community there we left two jobs so we ended up having zero income then we had a stillborn child our first uh, son named Zion I wrote him a song on the first record then we lost two other family members the same night that summer wow then and also in the same six months my wife's um, dad was diagnosed with brain cancer and he Mm. lost his life ten weeks after that Really sudden. Wow. So that was the, and I was recording becoming who we are during that time frame. I'd never made a record in my life. So, you know, I was making it on my laptop. Mm -hmm. So that whole period was so heightened and intense. It really spun me out, uh, for about two or three years where I just was, um, Mm. I mean, I I literally, it's kind of like a nervous breakdown. It's hard to, think of it that way in the time but when i look back on it, it's like this basically what i what i was i couldn't i would get nervous in the car on the freeway if there was traffic mm. i couldn't look up at the sky because i felt like i was going to float into like off off of the earth into the universe mm. couldn't get on i mean airplanes were like out of the question kings couldn't really travel on our first record and play shows oh. all this stuff right so that was just where i was for two years and those two years are kind of this stacking up of the record beyond control, mm-hmm. which is just that record just kind of is the whole journey of me waiting through that, waiting for God to help me, um, looking for him every day to help me get through each day mm-hmm. and all of that. So, and a prayer is kind of the, I don't know. It's, it's definitely like 
the the bold header for that that mm-hmm. whole season where um gosh i mean it's so it, it's so weird how songs come around so i had a this demo with that melody that literally was going to be a pop song we thought this is going to be the pop like jam on the record is like four on the floor <laughs> it had that melody it had like you it and all this stuff and wow. um it lived there for like seven months and it was always the one as i was chipping away on the record of like well when we come back to that one it'll be easy because it's so catchy it's gonna be easy i'll just keep working on these other ones i'll work on in this ocean or most of it or whatever mm. and, you know that one's gonna be that one's gonna be easy and every time i'd go to try to do some of that song i just couldn't get anywhere with it wow and then um eventually at some point you know we just did like 808s and mm-hmm. it became like super super haunting yeah. and um you know com- completely different feel mm. and so that was when you know i sort of completely retooled what i was what i was singing about and actually you know gosh it's so crazy i even did have the will i fall or will i miss that huh. line um but i didn't know what it meant or mm-hmm. anything and so sorry no that's all right <laughs> my boy my boy just came out and said like i want to interview buddy so um, <laughs> so yeah as you yeah see what i'm saying when I, I referenced this earlier i even have a lyric or i have something subconsciously in my head and i don't even know what it means that was that was kind of that that lyric um but I ended up, I ended up almost in one night, just feeling super, super heavy, uh-huh. sitting in my basement um, that I was vacuuming this morning, and kind of saying <laughs> both of those verses, and they just were what they were, and I just let them sit there, and I just knew there was something that was so powerful about me just kind of transcribing that emotion, and it just sat there for like three days, and uh-huh. I played it for a few people. You're like oh my gosh this is like this is really really powerful what's the ending gonna be because i had the music for the ending uh-huh. but i was like i don't know what it's gonna be i don't know what i'm gonna say mm-hmm. and um i couldn't touch it i couldn't listen to the song without like weeping because it was just mm. so honest to me yeah and then i finally three days i waited three days and then i finally went downstairs like when nobody else was home mm-hmm. and was just sitting there trying to work on the song singing stuff and praying and the the lyrics to the ending just like boom 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 they just came hit out. me super hard mm. like you know flooded my me typing through some ideas and i just i sang it once or twice and that was it and i couldn't i mean you can hear me i'm like crying in the end of the song because uh, i'm yeah I'm fe- i mean i'm feeling like i'm just hearing these this truth from god wow. so and just feeling it and that that was it and then we had this huge, you know, and once again, I couldn't listen. I couldn't listen to it when we mixed the song because it was too emotional for me. Wow. You know, my, it was just like, it was so intense the first couple of times we played on the road. Like, uh-huh. I think it took me about a year to get used to just playing it. Wow. Um, but then we had this dilemma of like, well, are we going to clean it up or are we not going to clean it up? <laughs> and we just, it was just really, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about it so many times with so many different people mm. and, you know, all the people in our circles. And it was just, it just felt like at the end of the day, the only reason to change it was going to be for a market, like an American mm-hmm. evangelical uh, market right. to make money. And, and it was like, look, 
you don't change a testimony or yeah, you just like somebody comes to my house and they, they tell me what they're going through and they're sitting on my couch and I'm not like, I'm not making them change their language. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not like, uh, yeah, I just, there was no, but, but at the same time, I know there's people that have totally different theology than I do. And, Right. This song feeds people's souls, so I made a clean one mm-hmm. for them. Um, and it did. It, I mean, it. The backlash was less than we anticipated, which was great. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Christian bookstores pulled all of our albums from their mm-hmm. bookshelves and things like that. But it kind of was just like, well, whatever. Now we don't have to deal with you guys anymore. <laughs> weird, weird subculture. So it's great. It's been great since then. It's like it just has solidified we're not going to play these dumb by these dumb rules that like we really don't believe in. And we're, we're going to just keep making really honest gospel music Mm. and not be afraid of anything or afraid to not be able to like, you know, play, play in the same lanes as kind of some other Christian artists. And the song is like, you know, been super, super, super helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And that's what, that's kind of the, the, I mean, not even, I didn't even need validation, but that's sort of the, I would say, fruit of, mm-hmm. of that song. Right. That you have people who already were going to be critical of everything. They just stayed critical. And, and actually, now they just moved on because they're kind of like, well, okay, it's too far off the game. We're not going to mess with that much for us. We're kind of like, great, we don't have to deal with you. And then the people that it was going to mean something to, now it, you know, it, it really did mean something to them. So, Right, and we get, we still get messages. I mean, I should like look up. We got one like the other day. I should find it all mm-hmm. on the phone here. But we just still get messages all the time about how important that song has been for people. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Well, the first time, I, well, I was in Isai's car, and you played it for me, and uh, Isai, he's sitting across from me, and uh, yeah, and I was just like, wow, this song is extremely powerful and i think i went home i went to go look at like what the whole meaning behind the song was and like i said at the beginning of the podcast like i've struggled with anxiety uh tremendously and yeah i mean the the fear is heavy man like it it runs deep and i think until like people really know um what true like i guess clinical anxiety if you would call it feels like Mm -hmm. um it's terrifying i mean you're crippled like there's nothing that you that you can that you can really do um mentally Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, that was another thing that I did notice in the, in the second half of the song is that it, it did sound like you were weeping, um, you know, yeah. uh, on, on many of the parts. And, um, and, and this was another question I want to ask, cause I, I had read an article online that it said that, you know, something behind this song was that in your anxiety, you were scared, um, that Jesus wasn't going to be next to you when you died, that you had like maybe some mm. sort of unassurance of, of faith or a struggle there. Um, I don't know if you could just clarify that up. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't remember saying that, but mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something that I am afraid of a lot because I mean, faith is faith is faith. Faith is jumping off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way it feels to me. And so I can know something and not in my mind and not feel it at all in my spirit. Mm. especially okay. especially like in uh right in you know with like mental health stuff it's like yeah i can believe that god loves me 
and I can also feel every part of my body that I'm going to die. Yeah. And it, and I'm not safe. <laughs> yes. And faith, faith <laughs> is saying, faith is saying like, I guess I, I'm still going to say that you're good God, but you sure aren't helping me out right now. Like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like everything's falling yeah. apart. Yeah. That doesn't wow. make him less good, but it just, it is what it is. So I've had that a lot, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me necessarily, um, stop submitting to to that faith it just is the reality of of a broken mind and a you know a fight or flight body basically yeah right yeah no no, exactly exactly and also i think another uh something i want to bring up and maybe turn to maybe listeners who might have listened to that song and maybe put up a a wall wall. between uh your music and themselves like maybe is there something else you, you would want to say to those people or encourage them with or man <laughs> honestly i would just say that i i mean i don't understand it honestly that's what i would say yeah. i would have a lot hmm. of questions i, I just right. don't get it like i i genuinely don't understand uh and we probably have a very different philosophy on life, but um, I'm, I just found this message that from the other day mm-hmm. uh, that's literally somebody, you know, I won't say the name or anything, but this person just just reached out to us and said, um, you know, I just want to thank you for your mm-hmm. passion, your Christ-centered songs. I heard your song, A Prayer, and at first was unsure how I felt about it. And then they go on to say that they had, you know, they had asked somebody else about it. And the person was saying, well, it's, you know, from this time in his life, it's about, you know, when they lost his child. This person, they came home to their four-month-old who had suffocated and died at their house mm. in, in their blankets. Wow. And they couldn't save, the, basically they couldn't save their, their baby. And the prayer was the song that, like, helped them through the time. And they used it, uh, let's see here. Yeah, they they made a video with pictures of her and family with with a prayer playing, and their four other kids called it Betty's song, which was oh. their little girl. Wow! And so you look at that, and it's like, are you just being like a Pharisee and whining about something that you don't want to even try to understand, or or some? I do. I don't. Under, I just don't understand uh, yeah. it. Like, yep. You get that? Like when we go to Norway, they're like nobody cares here. Mm-hmm. You're singing the gospel, or do you get that when we go to, like New Zealand, the director of the festival is like that song's the reason you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, it's just a short. Like you have a Western, uh, American evangelical view of language. It's so mm-hmm. tiny. It's so 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 small, and the heart behind something is so powerful mm-hmm. and so gospel saturated. Kind of like. I don't know. It's frustrating, I, I guess, in a sense of like, right. you see like what this is actually doing for people and what it did for me. Like, I'm not, we're not doing this to, for any reason outside of like, it lives real. Right. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. yeah. It's just real. That's why you, that's why you do stuff as an artist. Um, and it's, it's like a real encounter with God through his Holy Spirit. Like it's a very real encounter. So right. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I just don't even have time to argue about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of course. Like, if you can't see that, 
I don't know. Like, what do you believe in? I don't really get it. You know, like, I don't really understand. We might not. Well, I don't get it at that point, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's clear, yeah. Uh, also, I think another song that we wanted to bring up, and I think is also very similar to A Prayer in some ways, is Felix Copa. I know that's one of my favorite songs, maybe one of Julio's favorite songs yeah, as well. Uh, and it also maybe has the same dynamic where um, it has these verses that are talking very intense, uh, personal lyrics uh just of our failure of our fall um and then moves on to these bridges or mm-hmm. uh these uh second melodies that that are just talking about grace and mm-hmm. uh and how uh personal yeah. Jesus wants to be uh can you recall some of the inspiration behind that song and uh I mean maybe specifically also that bridge just cuz I know we've been how Julio yeah. mentioned we've been to to your concert twice uh, and when yeah. that when those hi hats start coming up and <laughs> and those guitars start hitting I know the yeah. people just start going crazy for for those lyrics mm-hmm. too cuz they're That's pretty good. intense so my friend uh Alex really was one of the guys who be the like pastor and theologian in my band mm-hmm. he we worked together and he came to my office one day and he was telling me about this concept of felix culpa that he'd been you know reading about and kind of blew his mind and we both were like this is a song but we didn't know how to make it a song and we just knew that that concept of being able to look at look at sin and rejoice because it shows God's grace that that's like a really, yeah. that's a very difficult thing to communicate, but it's a really powerful way to mm. understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so at that time we were at Mars Hill <coughs> and Brian Eichelberger, the same team and cam who has a band called ghost ship. Um, you know, we're all part of the same kind of thing there. They were the primary, uh, lyric writers on that song. I was like giving the direction. I was, kind of seeing, hey, this is this concept, this is going to be really cool. But um, they did, I've been trying to think, like, I probably only wrote, like, 25% of the lyrics from that song or 30% of the lyrics. <laughs> Cam went home after we'd been sitting in the studio talking about the idea, and he had a nightmare and woke up and wrote the bridge to Felix Culpa. Wow. But he had the, he had this vision, like, nightmare where he was, he was this guy, like, on top of this throne of bodies, uh, you know, and it was like this crazy thing. And he wrote up, woke up and wrote the bridge and brought it back in. And we were like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. This is perfect. <laughs> and perfect. so, yeah. And, you know, and so in that sense, you know, I, I very much was just kind of on the side directing the vibe and saying, like, this is what we got to say. But those guys did all the heavy lifting. I think I wrote the chorus, maybe. Um, but Brian wrote a lot of the first and second verse and came mm. with that bridge and um you know so i mean yeah it was it was like a team effort on that one right 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 so so what's coming up for king's kaleidoscope uh like i said we're making a new record right now um we've got a lot of stuff and we're just i'm in this like sifting period of really kind of waiting for what's going to settle and what it is that I do want to say so far, a lot of the stuff is about apathy mm-hmm. and that's going to be some kind of a theme on this record, but I'm not sure how, but I'm just, all right. Yeah. There's going to be something in there for sure. 
and um it's it's yeah but i, I mean it's as fresh as kings has always always been it's it's new and it's exciting and like i can't wait for people to hear it yeah. um and we might test some of these songs on a tour we're gonna announce it soon we have a, like a midwest tour and we might test a few songs this this fall okay so, yeah Awesome, awesome, man. Well, yeah. hey, hey, well, we appreciate you for coming on to the program. We're already hitting the top the top of the hour here. So, But again, man, we, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on, uh, Chad. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, and hey, whenever you have the next album come out, man, we'll have you back on. We'd love to have you back on to come talk about uh, it. All right, let's do it. Thank let's, you guys so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, like, subscribe, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we will see you back on the next one later. Mm-hmm.